Hello everyone, this is Tim Finan, host of Granite Town Media's Inside Milford. Today we're bringing you a special episode of our podcast. Earlier this week, our own Dave Alcox hosted a candidates forum for the five candidates running for the two open seats on this year's Board of Selectmen. The candidates participating in tonight's event were Jeff Johnson, Mike Thornton, David Friel, Laura Dudziak, and Vanessa Sheehan. And now we bring you Dave Alcox and the 2020 Milford Board of Selectmen Candidates Forum. Well, welcome to Milford Town Hall, and I'm honored and privileged to be the moderator tonight for the 2020 Selectman um, informational session. Um, we have a raucous audience here tonight, so I'm very excited. And we want to thank you all for participating. Um, the format tonight is going to be a, a very congenial one. I will have the candidates introduce themselves. Um, and we will have an opening statement from them as to who they are. I will have a series of questions. And then at the end, we'll have closing. Um, tonight is a night to get to know the candidates. Uh, as a longtime civics teacher here in town, I've always believed that anybody willing to put their hat in the public arena and run for office is one of the greatest, most civically virtuous things you can do in our town. And it, it's what establishes the, what I call the communitarianism of, of the fabric of our, of our culture here and, and being part of the community and offering to do this uh, is very, very noble. And I, I appreciate all of your efforts and I, and I wish you all the best. Um, you know, obviously it is a, uh, a today, this year we have two open seats um, for uh, consideration. <laughs> I can fix that. And, uh, and so we do have two open seats for consideration and five candidates. Um, also, just so you know, uh, we also will be rebroadcasting this. This is live right now, but it will be rebroadcast on Granitetown Media as an audio-only version of tonight's forum. And over the next few days, there will also be a G uh, Granitetown Media's um, podcast, Inside Milford. And a forum for the candidates for the school board will actually be next Friday um, on the 28th at 6 o'clock in this room as well. With that said, I want to welcome all the candidates, and I want to start uh, over here with Mr. Johnson, and if you'd like to introduce yourself uh, to the viewing audience. Sure. Thanks. Uh, good evening, everybody, here and uh, online. My name is Jeff Johnson. I've lived here in Milford for 16, almost 17 years now. I've had three kids here. They've been through the uh, Milford school system. Uh, they've all graduated, thank goodness. Um, I, uh, I have a couple of dogs, too, just, just for uh, if you want to come by and get barked at. Um, and I have a third grandchild on the way. And uh, as a profession, I've been an engineer. Um, I have a bachelor's in electrical engineering and a master's in uh, computer engineering. And I'm a chief engineer at this point in my career. Fantastic. Thank you. Mr. Thornton. I'm Mike Thornton. I want to thank all of you who are here and uh, those at home. I am a product of Ohio school systems, but I've been in Milford for the last 20 years. So I've come to know the town fairly well. I serve on the 
uh, Zoning Board of Adjustment for the last seven years. I'm on the Community Emergency Response Teams here covering Milford, Wilton, uh, Amherst, Mount Vernon, and Lineborough. So we are a diverse group of, of uh, volunteers. We go out and teach how you respond in emergencies. My uh, website will be going live tomorrow, mikelt.org. You'll be able to see who I am there. Thank you, sir. Ms. Duziak. Thank you. My name is Laura Duziak, and I've been a resident of Milford for 32 years. I live here with my children, Mason and Molly, and our Newfoundland named Olive. I work as a family law attorney in Amherst, and I am looking for your support as I run for a second term on the board. Mr. Friel. Hello, everybody. My name's David Friel. I've been a resident of Milford's uh, in a couple different times. Uh, I was born and raised on Valhalla Drive for zero to six years old, and then we moved to Amherst uh, when I was younger and stayed there and graduated at Milford High School because we had uh, Milford and Amherst combined. Uh, I then moved to Merrimack and lived there with my wife for seven years, and then we came back and moved back into the Milford area, and I've been there for 23 years, and then we live on Stable Road uh, up off of Panema Hill. Um, I'm an electrical contractor. I own my own company. Uh, my father started the company in 1971. I took it over in 2005, and uh, since then have grown to be a little bit bigger than when my father had had the company. So I've kind of learned how to maybe adapt and go through the different changes in the uh, times that we've been through over the last 30 years of business or whatever. Um, I look forward to hopefully giving back to the town and that a place that I call home. Uh, I've donated time to uh, working at the new uh, amphitheater as well as uh, over at the new ambulance building. We've done some stuff and I've tried to give back. So this is my step or my one more step of trying to give back to the town. So I'd appreciate your support if I could get it. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Sheehan. Yeah, my name's Vanessa Sheehan. I'm a third generation Milford resident. My grandmother, my mother, myself, we've lived in town all of our lives, so I have deep roots in Milford. Um, I'm married almost 20 years. May, it'll be 20 years to my husband, John, and we have an 11-year-old son, John Samuel. And um, my degree is in broadcasting and communications, and I currently work in a finance department in Nashua. Fantastic. Um, wow, what a diverse group. So obviously the big question that many people ask is why? Why do we do this? And so what I'd like to do is, um, in tonight's format, open it up for general discussion. So there's no particular order, but if you'd like to chime in on what prompted you um, to to want to run. Now, uh, I'll actually let our uh, incumbent start because you're the incumbent, but then for the after your start, if anybody else would like to chime in. So initially, three years ago, um, I just wanted to give back to the community. My kids were getting a bit older. I had a little bit more time, and um, I thought it would you know, be something that, that I would have time to do. Um, now, um, after serving one term, I feel like we've accomplished a lot on the board, and, uh, you know, I want to be a part of that. I want to see some of these projects through. Um, I demonstrated, you know, an ability to work well with the other board members, staff, uh, department heads, and um, basically I'd just like another three years to see some of the projects through. 
Okay, and I don't want to put you on the uh, spot, but just for the audience who are watching that may not know, just a real brief, what does a board of selectmen person do? Okay, so uh, the board of selectmen, I mean, we basically take care of the town's business. We have meetings on the second and fourth Mondays of each month. Sometimes there's a fifth Monday forum. Um, we have an agenda. The public can come in. There's public comment portions. Uh, but on the agenda is, is basically everything that, that's going on at that time, and we need to make decisions. Um, like I said, there's a public comment portion. They can comment on things that are on the agenda, things that aren't on the agenda, and, and basically be a part of, of what's going on in the town. Uh, we also set um, the budget, and we negotiate contracts You know that the voters have given us permission to do. Um, the town administrator obviously does the day-to-day -day stuff uh, and keeps us posted. We've been um, fortunate to have a great town administrator uh, since I've been on the board, and we now have another one. So, Thank you. And who would like to? I will. Absolutely, Jeff. <laughs> to be uh, brutally honest about why, it's because Wade posted, step it up, people. <laughs> <laughs> but besides that, uh, that being said, um, I, uh, like I said earlier, I, I raised three kids here, um, and I was a single dad for a long period of that, uh, and I, uh, they're grown up now, and I found myself in a position where I have more time, um, and in my daily work routine, I'm an interface between customers and the technical side of things, so I thought that throwing my hat in would be, you, you know, I, I have a technical background versus, you know, we just just went through a whole diverse uh, set of skill sets. So I thought that would bring something to the table when it comes down to the, you know, some of the issues that are on the, uh, on the Warren articles, these, you know. And if I can days. follow up with you as sure. an engineer, yeah. obviously you, you look at things in a little bit more of a technical way. Yes. How do you think that might help you as a member of the Board of Selectmen? I think, you know, when I, when I read into the articles, I see a lot of debate back and forth, you know, and, and it's this form too, right? Like it's, it's townspeople. And not everybody need, is an expert in everything, and we are. Everybody knows that. But when, uh, for example, when you have a, a you know a company come in and give you an estimate on something, and they are giving you a technical solution, it's nice to have that sort of background to say, is this a real valid solution? I mean, I do this on a daily basis. You always have to have a trade-off between cost, technical risk, and um, and infrastructure. Fantastic. Mr. Thornton. I'm going to go ahead and play the experience card. Uh, as Ronald Reagan said, I won't hold your youth and inexperience against you. Uh, since 1979, I've been uh, a computer engineer type. Started in the Marine Corps as an NCO, uh, served overseas, Vietnam. Uh, got out, uh, furthered my education, finished uh, college, and uh, was a graduate of an ROTC program in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, in 1978, I went into the Air Force. I served at Hanscom Air Force Base on uh, the program that lets the E3A AWACS be the great success it is. Uh, from there, I was able to parlay uh, a request for my services to the space shuttle program because I'd been successful in being the first program office in the Air Force to put 
personal computers into people's hands and support them with training. I did that. I, I was very proud of it. It was an opportunity that we had the funding available that would have gone away otherwise. I was there at the right time. At the space shuttle program, we do the same thing. Uh, we, we did it with uh, what they call Tempest uh, qualified computers, or you can do, legally, you can do classified information on those systems. Uh, and if I could follow, oh, go ahead. Yeah, it, it, uh, it is a matter of a step after step after step of experience. I had a computer shop here at 222 Elm Street for years. And to follow up with you, it seems in your past travels, you've been around to a number of different cities, a number of different countries. Do you think the the exposure to the those places might help you in trying to determine what would be good for our town? Yes, uh, in the in the aspect two aspects. Number one, the technical that we have is is important. There's no getting around it. But you've got to be able to reach out and get people connected and involved, and you've got to get them to tell you what's important to me. This is what I want the selectmen to understand that we in the town uh, want them to do. If we get more of that, we can be more responsive to the whole town in a more measured way. Okay, thank you. Mr. Friel or Ms. Shaheen, you want to go first? Sure, yeah. So um, living in Milford for, um, should I say if my age? over 40 years um, I've seen Milford grow and change and uh, but what remains the same is Milford's unique charm and strong community and working as a selectman you know I want to work to ensure that we don't lose those qualities that we value in this town and um, you know as Laura had mentioned too that you know as our children are getting older we have a little more time and um, it's always been a personal goal of mine to um, serve in town in some capacity and I felt like this this is the time and so um, I stepped into the opportunity and if I could follow up with you with a broadcast and major that obviously gives you a good amount of soft skills that we are trying to teach kids to have and be able to play nice in the sandbox. And you also have a finance, you're working in an accounting place. Mm -hmm. So between um, being able to converse and to work with people and also look at numbers, do you feel that that will help the town? Yes, um, because I love to communicate with people. Um, but I've been working in finance now for you know over 20 years and um, learning how to manage finances well is very important, and I think that um, the town um, needs that, you know, that we don't um, accrue a lot of debt that we pass on to our kids and grandkids. We need to be responsible with debt and seek efficiencies in town spending operations, and um, with my experience, I think that I could help with that. Fantastic. Mr. Friel. So just to give you a little heads up on how I got into this position, but about three years ago, there was a uh, board of selectmen that was leaving. I, I don't remember who it was. And we were having, a, down at the Chapel Tractor, we were having a conversation with you know myself and a few of the business owners down there. 
And we were complaining about our taxes, how the taxes keep going up and how things are changing or things aren't getting done. And we we're just sitting around complaining. And which happens a lot, right? I think everybody complains. They see their taxes go up. They're tired of seeing, uh, you know, maybe money being spent where maybe it shouldn't be spent. But everybody's got a different idea on what's important. So I threw it out there. I was like, ah, I'm going to run for selectmen. So it was like more of a just throw it out there. And they, everybody in the room was like, you should do it. But at the time, I don't know if I said I had two daughters um, when I gave my introduction, but I have a daughter that's now 17 and the other one's 14. So a few years ago, you know, 11 and, you know, you know, 14, it just wasn't the right time for me. So I backed out. I didn't even proceed with it. And then, you know, some years go by. My kids are now not needing me anymore. The older one's driving. You know, I decided, you know, this would be a good time to maybe go ahead and, uh, you know, try to give it a shot when I heard there was a couple of seats open. Uh, Kevin Federico actually reached out to me and said, hey, you should run, and it, it gets you start thinking again. Um, again, I think it's mostly, for me, it's about, I, I don't understand if five people can really control anything. Like, people are like, oh, lower my taxes. If I vote for you, will you lower my taxes? I don't think five people can do that. The, the people that are out there voting on these articles, what's, what does it? But then you hear people complain about transparency and all this other stuff, and it it it'd just be nice to... I feel like that if you had somebody on the board, or I think any one of us would probably be good at it, you know, honestly. I think everybody here is a good person. Uh, I think that when people yell out about this transparency thing, I mean, maybe I'm rambling on now, but I'm just saying, I feel like if you, like what you were saying earlier, people could just come out and talk to the board, come to the meetings. You come to a meeting, there's 10 people here. So I think it's important for everybody to get connected and everybody to come together in this whole thing, but kind of why I'm running for it. Go ahead. And follow up for you yeah. that you've obviously lived in town. Um, unfortunately, on Valhalla Drive, I'm on Wellesley, so I, <laughs> I feel your pain. But, um, you know, obviously, you've wired most of the town, if not help build it. So how does that help in an advantage for you about connecting with the community? Well, I can't really say that all my work has been done in Milford. We're very more diverse about that. But, um, you know, what I can say about what I do Look, I've been in this construction business since I was nine. I didn't just come into it when I was 18 or 21. I worked with my father when I was nine years old. It was the first day on the job. I always remember it. Uh, I've been dedicated. I've been, I'm still an electrical contractor today, you know, 30-plus years later. Uh, I see a lot of different towns. I work in many towns in the state of New Hampshire. I mean, from here to Newburyport, Mass., to, to the Seacoast, you know, up north in the Lakes region. And I see how different towns are. I see how... Town hall is different, and the roads are different, and uh, you know, some towns are better than others. Okay, uh, what I can bring, I don't know. Like I, I feel like I'm dedicated. I'm a hard worker, and I don't give up. And I, you know, that's how I, what I would probably bring to the board. Okay, well, thank you. So let's talk about some issues in our town. So obviously, on the warrant articles coming up this year, there's a number of different ones, and I'd like to start with. Um, let's start with the library. Um, as you noticed, the library has basically pared down um, their warrant article this year to about a $3 million um, article. And it's been something that's been looked at many, you know, many times in the past years. Um, comments on, on your belief about the warrant article in relationship to the library? Anybody's open? Yeah, I'm in support of the library project. Um, I was impressed with the fact that they had pared it down. I think it was five million the last time it was on the warrant. Uh, now it's it's about three. 
the trustees have done a wonderful job fundraising. I think they're at six hundred and eighty-seven thousand dollars. Six ninety-seven. <laughs> the building is in dire need of repair, um, and they've really listened to the community and what the community wants um, by by setting up committees, and the the feedback from the citizens is that they want more room for for programming space um, you know additional bathrooms a teen room so you know that that that's coming from the community it's just not what the trustees want um, my understanding is that for a repairs only solution they're looking at about eight hundred thousand dollars however um, what I believe their architect had told them is that if you're renovating a certain percentage of, of the building, um, state law would require that the entire building be up to code. So that brings it up to, to like 1.2 million, and that doesn't address the need for the space issues. You're basically putting 1.2 million into it, and you have the exact same library. So I think they've done uh, a lot of work. I think they've done a great job. I think the library is always going to be competing with some other big ticket item, and um, I'm in support of it. Okay. Selectman Duziak is right in, in the respect that if we do not do something with the building, <clears throat> it will continue to degrade, becoming more expensive in the future to renovate and bring up to a future code. The people on the board have done marvelous work. They've listened to the townspeople. The townspeople use the library. That said, there's got to be some very uh, rigorous responsibility taken that we do what we need to do in a phased approach, the, the things that we need to do that are reasonable first and that will get the most use, that we will get the most use of as a town and the library will be able to bring in more of the townsfolk to support future involvement. Would anybody else like to, Dave? Sure. So on the library, I actually worked in the library for a few different years. I think you've seen me come in and out of there. And uh, when Joel was in there, I don't work in there that often in the last couple of years. I've seen the structure. I've been in and out of the electrical room and the ceilings on the roof. I'm not saying that the building definitely doesn't need work. Does it need $3.2 million? I can't agree with that. Honestly, I, I don't see being in construction how $3.2 million is needed for that building. And if you go to a lot of other towns, they're talking about doing expansion. And I already think that the IR library is fairly large. If you go to the Amherst Town Library, it's fairly small. So if you go to some other towns, they don't even have libraries. So I'm not saying the library is not important. I think it's great for the kids. I think it's great. They just did a kid's room not even a few years ago. And I know the electrical needs updating, and I know I'm sure the plumbing needs updating, and there's other things. But, again, like Laura said, it's always going to get combined with another big ticket item like this Mac base thing, and then everybody's going to want to spend, you know, we can't spend $6 million in one year or, or, you know, or go for bonds on all that. And then 
the taxes just keep going crazy. But if you wait for the green open or the green light, if you wait for this opening where there's no other big ticket item, we could be talking 10, 15 years from now. So is the library, does the library need to be fixed up? Yeah, I'm sure it needs some things. And I know in this town, being part of the amphitheater and being part of the, library, uh, the uh, ambulance building, <clears throat> there's enough local businesses in this town that are willing to give some of their time up. Maybe we could try to work that way. I would love to see somebody look outside the box of we have to go hire this big company out of state, spend $3.5 million when maybe we could do it for $1.8 or $2.3 and save a $1 million in taxes. There are ways of saving in construction. I see the plan that the library put forth. Personally, it's over the top. The lighting is insane. It's beautiful. It looks great. But I don't know if it's really fitting in this town. It really does look a little over the top to me. So I think there's a way that maybe they could shave the cost down. And I'm not saying that we don't need to vote on something, but it needs to be, I think, a little bit smaller. Okay. Yeah. Vanessa or Jeff? Yeah, I would just add to that a little bit um, that, that uh, I grew up going to the library myself. So I, I, I can appreciate that part of it. But um, if you're doing big ticket items, to me, it, it needs to come from necessity. If there's a major issue with the building, yes. But if it's to add some extra functionality that may not be necessary, I'm not really going to be for that. But it's, again, it's a trade to that whole thing. But I'm, so, I'm sort of caught in the middle between your, you know, the opinions here at the table where it probably could be looked at. And yes, in construction, things are going to get out of hand real quick if, if you, you know, open up a can, take it open with a can opener and see what was really under there. But for me, it would only be out of necessity that we do something of that nature. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just want to say kudos for <clears throat> them, um, you know, trying to get it down, down, down to the lowest possible price to do these upgrades. So thank you for, for doing that, working hard on that. Um, I think it's important to have a safe building because a lot of residents use the library, so it's, I think it's important that it's safe. And I think that it's going to be something that the townspeople are going to decide come March 10th. Okay. Um, another issue that townspeople are going to try to decide is our, our MAC base, which seems to be a hot issue. And right now, um, you know, I'm wondering about your thoughts on bringing it to the police department for about $2.4 million or keep it at Mac base for about 3.5 million. Um, thoughts and ideas on that? <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. Uh, the 2.4 to 3.5, <clears throat> I have not heard anyone say that if we keep it at Mac base on the third floor for the 3.5, we'll get more and better functionality. Haven't heard that said at all it will be a more difficult thing to do destruction at the same time you're doing construction. Uh, that is, <clears throat> no doubt, part of the extra expense. At the police station, you have the benefit of a new structure, meeting new codes entirely, not touching the police station, requiring it to be raised to a higher code level. The building and the tower are essentially integral. They are engineered to work together. Uh, the tower is built, if it fails, to fail straight down. 
we can't do that really on Mac base safety. If the tower fails, there is town hall. Uh, and we need to be aware of that. There is really no height difference between here and there. But they're essentially the same height, so the same functionality. But it is less expensive to do at the police station. And I think you might agree with me that it would be provided better security at the police station. Well, fantastic. So. I agree with Mike. I'm in support of Warrant Article 4 um, because it solves Milford's communication problems at a, a lesser cost than Warrant Article 5 does. And if you'll recall, last year at the deliberative session, the voters there had amended a Warrant Article to include for a study, a comprehensive study to look at what would be best for Melford in terms of our emergency communication issue. Um, and so that's what we did. The town then contracted with CTA, a completely independent organization from Virginia to, to come and, and interview, um, you know, the, the users, the, the the police department, the fire department in, in all of the towns. And if you read the report, um, they've, I mean, it's comprehensive and they've concluded that the best fit for Melford is a Melford standalone located at the police department um, with the capability of, of becoming regional. I mean, certainly um, we would hope these other towns would want to join, but. Um, you know, they found that Mac Base, the existing site, when they looked, there's, there's water damage, it's not secure, issues with HVAC. Um, so it's, it's less costly to, to go with Warren Article 4, and it would solve our communication problems. Okay. Yeah, um, I had the opportunity to experience firsthand the issues with our communication dispatch. I was able to go out on a ride along with one of the officers recently, and I heard the, the dead spots as we drove around town. I saw their portable mic not working. And, you know, we need to ensure reliable emergency communications for our emergency services because <clears throat> it is a matter of, of life and death to our officers and um, safety of our residents. Um, in speaking to Chief Viola and Captain Fry, I see um, how Warrant Article 4 is the best way to go. And there's a spot right there at the police station where they can build it. And yes, it is the cheaper of the two Warrant Articles. So I'm in full um, support of Number four. Fantastic. Dave, Jeff? I fall right in agreement <laughs> with the opinion on the table on that. Uh, same thing. It makes more sense on that side of town. Well, not really that side, but <coughs> over there. And it doesn't cost the taxpayers as much. Uh, the communications thing is key around here, I guess, for res first responders and all that. So I can't not say no <laughs> at that point. It's, it's a critical function of this town. So on 
this whole thing is kind of interesting to me because I was at the deliberative session a year ago when this first thing came to light, right? Uh, it was at like a two and a half, three hour. Everybody's up and arguing about it. And it, we all, well, it got reworded, right? So it got reworded to the $85,000. I didn't personally want to spend $85,000 just to be back knowing that we're going to spend $2 million. Personally, me, I say last year we should have just did it. But no, we spent $85,000, and we're all in agreement on that. And then this company that is a third party has nothing to, nothing to gain from it, comes in and says what they found, which is this new system, not MacBase. It's the best thing for the town moving forward into the future, not just right now, but into the future. I understand this Mac. I, okay, I'm not, okay, I can't really say I understand. What I, what I don't fully understand is how Mont Vernon and Wilton, yes, there are, there are neighbors, and I'm not saying they're not important, but at the end of the day, we're Milford taxpayers. We're worried about Milford. And if they don't want to jump onto the new system, then let them get their own system. That's how I feel about that. So we go and we spend the 85. This comes out. And we still spent another three hours at the deliberative session going back and forth because somehow somebody comes on and is able to do a petition article for this crazy amount, which confuses everybody. If you talk to anybody in this town, everybody's all, what happens if we vote yes on four and five? How five even got on there? How MacBase was able to just slide in a small number and thank gosh, somebody did stand up and change the number. So now it reflects more like what, what it would be. But to the 120 taxpayers that were in that building, they knew what was going on. But the 16,500 or whatever we have in this town still have no idea. So I commend the board for getting it done. I personally think that it should have been done 10 years ago. And we are starting to do all these, all these articles now, I think, that are more... Um, what are they doing now? They're, they're doing like, uh, they're, we're saving 40000 a year. What they call capital reserves. I think that's great. And if they had done capital reserves knowing that the system was going to go outdated in 10 years, maybe if we were putting $50,000 a year for 10 years, you'd be sitting there with half a million dollars with something to go on. Instead, we're always sitting here spending our money last minute, and then and nobody wants to spend the money. And then it goes on and on and on and on, and then 10 years later, the costs go up 20%. Well, that we, <clears throat> the, the board has been doing capital reserve very well. When it builds up to a, a certain point, uh, some of the select board wants to give the money back to the taxpayers. That's good. It also means later we need to borrow that money at an interest rate. So as a taxpayer, as a person who tries to find uh, a good means of looking forward to the future, I think uh, it would be behoove us to retain some of that money and allocate it and begin to program it towards the preliminary studies, get all our ducks in a row, get our political, uh, we're 71 percent of Mac base, I think. Uh, according to the Mac base folks, and that means while we're a great majority of Mac base, we, we weren't in the past all of it. If this goes forward, we will be all of it. We will carry the entire load. Does anybody else want to comment on anything that somebody said today? Okay. Um, let's move on then to our um, solar issue. Right now, Brock's, uh, we're looking at maybe putting solar panels um, that over the next almost 40 years could net the town roughly about $9.5 million. Um, 
with an initial 25-year contract and five-year renewables after that. Um, thoughts that you might have on that? And I know um, Laura and Michael had started off the last ones. Would anybody like to start off this one? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, um, sitting in on some of the Board of Selectmen meetings, I've um, started to understand a little bit more about the solar farm and um, was able to sit down with Mark Bender to get the history behind, you know, the land and purchasing the land when the town did that. And, you know, right now, you know, we have the land and nothing's being done. And the solar farm wants to just take a small portion of the land and uh, use it. And to me, I see it as a win-win. You know, the town is going to get revenue from that. Um, and you know the solar farm the solar company is is going to be doing their work so i'm all for a win-win okay yeah Can I say that? so uh i'm i'm in support of the solar farm because anything that can bring in any kind of revenue to the town is great i don't know much about it though i have to say that like i know about solar and i know what some costs are involved i don't know anything about a big farm uh I, and i'm leery whenever we talk about 40 years because I'm gone by the time this thing even like, you know, comes due and the town gets the land back. So I think it would be good for the town. I don't know how much land, I wish I knew a little bit more about that. Uh, you know, it's good if there's a little bit of land left over somewhere, like if we needed to use it for something or if the town wanted it's to a sell lot of off land a chunk of it. Yeah. Uh, maybe a school, I don't know. Like uh, Jacques School is, you know, personally, I think it should move into a new location, maybe a new school and maybe make that a parking lot. I don't know. Just these are some ideas that I've thought about. but. You know, if the whole, I don't know if it's all the property, if it's only a small chunk, it's good. If it was the whole property, mm, I would want to know a little bit more about it. But I'm definitely in favor of uh, something that's not making any revenue for the town where you can make that much money. I mean, it is over 40 years, right? So don't think you're getting like $9 million like that. You know, you're going to get, what is it, $400,000 or, or 150000 I don't know exactly the numbers. But I was looking at it uh, the other day. It ramps up as it goes because that's when I'm sure they're starting to make some money on it. Mm -hmm. So they can probably pay a little bit more. But I still think it's a great idea to get something mm -hmm. out of nothing. You know. Oh, Go ahead, Mike. Uh, according to the town website, I commend it to you. Uh, in the late 90s, there was uh, an offer to sell the town about 320 acres. And uh, the school board went in and bought 50 acres, the Heron Pond School. Uh, so roughly 270 acres was brought forth as the Brock's property. And the town, the, the selectmen of the town, tried diligently to market that property. Uh, the success was a resounding mm, not much. So when the solar came forward, they began to research it with quiet uh, and very thorough grace. I know about solar. If you look at my house, the roof is different. It's covered with solar panels. I don't ask any of you to, to buy my electricity. I use it all uh, because they wouldn't give me what it's worth that, that I produce it for. So I'm not profiting from you. I think it's a good idea. It doesn't cover a massive part of the property. 
the company has moved forward with some property, a private property, off the Brox site in addition. So they're offering part of that back to us to use and still giving us revenue. I think it's a, a great winner. The only thing I would have liked to have done is put buildings under the solar panels because you can't reverse that and profit thereby. That said, the, the selectmen had no interest in raw land and the taxpayers had no interest in developing the tax, the, the Brock's property, so that it would be more marketable. So, yes, I'm in support of the solar project as a way to bring in revenue. Uh, that's the purpose of the Brox properties is, is to, to bring in revenue and over the course of the lease. So there's a lease that we signed in September. We just signed a pilot agreement two weeks ago. Um, and that will generate income up to about um, $9.5 million over the, the course of the lease. Um, the lease, like you said, it's a 25-year lease, but there's a, an option um, to extend that three times for, for five years each time. Um, and it, it is only a small portion. I know Dave said that he was um, concerned about how much land. It's only a small portion of, of the town land that they're going to be using, and then they're going to be releasing 90 acres back to the town, and we can do whatever we want with that land. So. Um, my thing is there, there are no um, big industrial companies or, or anything beating down the door trying to um, put infrastructure out there to, to have a business. So I think that, you know, this is a good fit for right now for the property. And to follow up, do you think it's a good fit because of the type of business versus, like you were saying, there's no businesses knocking the doors down to have to improve on the infrastructure and so on? Well... I think that, I mean, no, I mean, I would rather have Amazon out there, you know, but, <laughs> but I think that the town would have to invest in the infrastructure out there to, to make something like that happen. So um, a solar farm doesn't need that type of infrastructure. And uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, but how long has this, and anybody can answer this, how long has this land been available for commercial in industrialization and, and it's gone by the wayside. 98-2000 uh, was the, fr from what I can read, was the original transfer of two, about 270 acres. And that's when the select board at that time began to enthusiastically market the property. And this is the first true interest that's been shown. Mm -hmm. 20 years later. A long time. Mm -hmm. Jeff. Oh, I, I uh, agree with the solar, the solar farm as well. Anything sustainable is, is aces in my book. The only difference that I see with solar versus, versus um, well, I, I say, I've seen it residentially too, is your ROI doesn't happen for a long time. Uh, so and that means return on investment now. for the viewers. Oh, yeah, correct. sorry. I, my, <laughs> it's okay. My but so you don't really see any kickback until a long time from now. So it's great for the future of this town. Will we be here? Who knows? 
I think in 40 years we'll have a reunion. And <laughs> um, but speaking of the future of this town, um, and if you'd like to uh, maybe Dave or Jeff start this question off, uh, parking seems to be an issue, uh, especially in the downtown area. We have fine restaurants, we have fine breakfast places, but we do hear a lot about uh, a lack of parking, and quite often we hear the concept of a parking garage. Um, thoughts? Okay, well, I think I brushed upon my little idea I had. But look, at I'm just, once again, just a taxpayer living in this town. I don't know where a parking garage would even look good around here. Maybe if you could blow out the Rite Aid near the, the, near the post office, because how many Rite Aids does the town need? We have like three of them. But I don't think that's going to happen. But you've got to keep it somewhat local to the Oval. Uh, you have land at the library, but the library might need that for eventually a building or something. You can't ask them to give their land up. So I was thinking like Jacques, is our, I was just saying, and look, a school would cost a fortune. But if you could get maybe an addition on Heron Pond or use the land over there or something and put in a school over there, keep the kids together over there, and do something over, I don't know if that land is even, if you could put a garage there where Jacques is, but I would think you could do something. Bales is, I think... It doesn't necessarily have to be a garage, but just extra oh. parking. Well, I was thinking, well, if you didn't do a garage, though, and you only got one level out of it, you're not going to get many parking spots, right? You need a pretty big chunk of land. So I don't know locally where you could really do that. You know, I mean, there's such a tight area downtown, you know, so you almost have to do at least a two-level structure, at least under and then above, right? And then maybe some solar panels on top. It, it would, yeah. <laughs> it, right? it would be interesting. Uh, but let me tell you, uh, let's get rid of the not invented here syndrome and let's look at people who've been successful at other places. Uh, I had the great good fortune to live not far from Santa Barbara, California. And when I would go there, I, oh, it's going to be terrible for parking. Uh, State Street is a, a shopping mall, you know, ice cream shops, candy shops, uh, libraries, restaurants. What they did is they took advantage of the businesses that were a little further out and they put two trolleys to work. And the trolleys circulated among the, the parking places, both in closer where the uh, handicapped places were and out further where the businesses welcomed the people because if you had people parked in your parking lot, they were more likely to shop with you later at some point for some reason. It, it worked very well in Santa Barbara. Would it work here? I think it might be worth trying before building uh, an ugly concrete utilitarian parking garage. Uh, I don't think they had those in the 1790s. I don't think it would be in character for the town, which is part of the select person's charge to keep the character of the town from changing too much, too quickly. Does anybody want to comment? Yeah, I, I uh, uh, believe that it's a, a real issue, um, especially for downtown businesses. And in speaking with one of the shop owners in town, that was the major issue for their business. Um, you know, I was taking a drive around town just looking at some of the empty buildings that we have close to the Oval. There's a, 
an old um, gas station that's off of Clinton Street that's been abandoned for a long time. Um, over across the street from the police station, and there was an old kind of like depot that I think Milford Lumber used to own. And just, you know, you know, wondering how long are these places going to sit vacant, and is it possible to maybe look into putting some public parking there? But it is an issue that I believe that we need to address and, and work with um, the local business owners in town to try to come up with an idea on how to fix this. Okay. Right. So uh, Lincoln Daly of the Community Development um, Department has been instrumental in setting up a parking committee um, with the goal to create a comprehensive parking plan for the downtown. And he has been working with the library trustees and business owners, um, you know, to try to develop a plan. And it's just in the initial stages. But, um, you know, everybody's aware that parking is an issue. Um, we need to figure it out, and we need to figure it out um, sooner rather than later. Um, I'm not sure how we do that, but Lincoln has a lot of ideas, and uh, we're currently working with him on that. Jeff, would you like to comment or? Um, no. Okay. Um, Mr. Thornton talked about the fabric of our town and keeping up with the ideals of our town. When you look at our tax rate, which has increased significantly in this last tax bill, um, what ideas or what vision do you have over the next few years to try to lower that tax rate but still keep the values of our town? So when I ran three years ago, um, I, that was my thinking, that taxes are so high, there's got to be a way to cut taxes, to, to, to lower the budget. Um, and what I found from my first three years on the board is that our budget's pretty lean. We don't have department heads that are asking for these big wants. They're asking for things that they need to, to, to maintain, um, you know, the roads or, or whatever it might be. Um, I think that Milford is a great town. We have a lot of services. Um, and I think that we need to continue to, to fund the infrastructure and, and the equipment that's needed to, to keep being a great town. Um, so personally, I don't see a way, um, and that was my goal. We gotta cut taxes, we gotta cut taxes, but we love Milford. Milford's a great town because of all the services that it has, and you gotta keep, you gotta keep funding the infrastructure and, and the services. So I don't have an answer for how to reduce okay. the taxes. Milford is a vibrant, and living society a lot of volunteers wade back there uh, investing hours days in the pumpkin festival it reduced the cost too okay why not ask more of our people to volunteer more to give us the benefit of their expertise to examine an electrical bid is this reasonable to look at what would be out in the out years, what can we do now to keep 
uh, the library building from degrading further as quickly, then how can we spend responsibly and get the work that needs to be done and meet the current needs every year going forward without being a huge outlay in any one year? Okay. Does anybody want to comment? Yeah. So, you know, um, I, I think that it's, it's keeping property taxes reasonable, um, you know, and working in finances, it's trying to seek efficiencies in how we do things. And, I mean, it kind of seems like that's all of our hearts and what we desire to do. And so, you know, just continue to work. Um, we have a great budget committee that works hard um, in keeping our budgets um, in order and um, just working with them and, and again, just uh, being fiscally responsible is important. I think that there's an opportunity at, at some point. Uh, well, the, my p analogous view of this is that you, you get your paycheck and then you spend it and you just keep doing that and your money's not really working for you. So I, ha I think that there, there's got to be an opportunity to form revenue streams um, that can augment the town and not have the town keep just pulling out of its own pocket, which effectively is your tax rate. So I think there's probably some, some ideas out there, whether it's to bring in local businesses that can sustain something like that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to go as far as say like parking meters, but like every every other town around here does that on a, when they get big. Uh, I'm not advocating that at all. It's just an example. But but there's got to be business structure. I think that actually supports the town revenue structure, and it doesn't seem to happen. It just seems that we kind of strapped all the time, and we rely on all the taxpayers to keep doing it. I mean, us being all of them, everybody in this room, and out there. Obviously, you're going to be on a board with five people. Um, however, do you individually have a pet project, something that you would like to see advanced if you're a member of the board? Is there a pet project that you would kind of champion? Actually, I didn't really get to talk on the last one, so I think oh, I'm going to – this might be one that I, I try it, to go and I'll put it together. <laughs> so, again – I think for me, it's about being very fiscally responsible. I'll agree with Laura. I think that we have a very slim budget, right? We're 15 million or change. I don't know what the actual numbers are here, but let's just cut to the chase. Our town needs 15 and a half million dollars. The school needs 40 something million. 42? Okay, 42 million dollars. So the school is way more than what the town needs. And the town, I'm not saying the school doesn't do an amazing job for this. The, the, the we need students. to get rid of that school. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Put a parking lot there. Yeah. So um, there's, look, you, you take everybody's property value, you divide it all up, and we're all paying supposedly equal tax. I think the assessment, assessments are definitely off, I think, for me. I think, uh, you know, we have a very diverse, I think, town as far as residential. We have businesses. We have some very large businesses here. And, you know, there was a time where our taxes recently went up because the businesses' uh, evaluation went down. And then who took the brunt of that? The taxpayers did. The, the, the residents who, who, you know, aren't businesses, that they're just on a fixed income, you know. And, you know, 
this town, and I look at it, I don't know all the numbers. We have a lot of rentals in this town, which in the rentals have a lot of children, and the children are the ones bringing up the school tax, you know, the, the school taxes. So I feel like the people, like, if I rented an apartment here and I had four children, how are they paying their equal share of a person with one or two children or whatever? I feel like maybe the rentals, now if you try to get the rental properties and try to tax them a little bit more, I think that's one avenue you could try to do. But then if you, that's a fine line, right? Because then the, the landlords or the people that own the land are going to raise their rents and then people are going to leave the town. So you've got to figure out a way to make it work. But it can't always be on the residential housing side. It can't. And there's always got to be a way to shave money down somewhere, some way. You know, I mean, I'm all about like, on, you look through the Warren articles. I love the fact that we're a small knit community and that's, we have parades and we have the pumpkin festival and we have all these things that are very important to make us a community. Those are important. And, you know, yeah, they raise our taxes, what, you know, 10 cents per thousand. I mean, it's, it's minor. That's minor. There's other ways. Uh, I did hear recently from somebody that, I, of course, I wasn't on the board, so I don't know all the little things, but somebody on the board threw around the idea of possibly doing a vehicle tax. So everybody's vehicle in the town of Milford would get taxed an additional $5, $10. I don't know what it would be, $15, $20, right? So if you got a 2 million cars, I don't know how many, I don't know. 500,000 cars in the town of Milford or whatever. I don't know. Who well, knows? There's a, there's okay, the 16,000. So <laughs> let's say 8,000 cars and whatever. And you do $10. I'm doing the math in my head real quickly. But I'm just saying there's a way to make a little bit of money. But again, you're taking it out of the people that probably are already taxed out. You know, like there's got to be another way. You know what I'm saying? I just feel like there's got to be a way. And I try to work closely with the people on the board to try to keep it down, be fiscally responsible, and look at, like you were saying, look at every avenue that you could possibly save. Okay, let me hold off on my pet yeah, project because Michael wanted to. If I, if I read everything right, we've got about about 350 businesses in town when they counted it last in 17. If we brought more businesses in, it would dilute the load we carried. If we put a vehicle tax on, and let's call it, let's just say JP Pest Services because you can see it from the highway. Look at the number of vehicles they have. We start hitting them with all that extra money every year. They've got to pass it along. Or they leave. leave. That's my point. Yeah. They leave. If they leave, we have fewer businesses to help us pay the taxes. I, I would like to see more suitable businesses in town. And I believe that you had a good idea, Mr. Moderator. When the school is not open, that's a good parking facility. Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, mm -hmm. and a trolley, yes. Bring the people down to the Oval. Make something happen there. Let the businesses in the Oval run that. Let that be their baby. That's their business. So you would have a private shuttle? I would have them do the private shuttle, Right, that's shuttle. what I'm yes. saying. It wouldn't be a town-funded. No. It would be a private shuttle from the coordinating businesses. Correct. Okay. Um, does anybody else want to comment on this topic before we move? That's a great idea. <laughs> um, there you go. So pet projects that you would be interested in uh, championing in our town. I mean, I was going to say parking, but we've, we've oh. already talked about right. it. So, okay. Do you believe um, that that's one of the top issues that you feel from your constituents currently? 
Yes, parking. Well, I mean, the, the major issue is uh, resolving the emergency communications issue and, and, and seeing that to, to a conclusion, but um, parking is a big issue also. Um, other than that, getting uh, the gravel operation at Brock's back up and running is um, a priority for me as well. Okay. Yeah, uh, for me, I just... Um I'd like to um, come alongside and support small business in our community, especially the downtown area, as that's growing. I mean, Chronicle was here recently. And um, so, um, yeah, just, you know, starting uh, like a downtown committee um, to come alongside those, those folks. Okay. I, I'd like to see some improved public transportation. Uh, it's, it's rather funny to see it elsewhere and stop at the border, essentially. And there's, I think a lot of residents could benefit from that. Um, given, and then that would actually offload the parking situation. Something to think about. I believe that the Brock's land revenue that's going to come in from the solar farm might be well invested in the infrastructure of the bare land that is there now to make it more marketable, to give our selectmen the opportunity to say to other businesses, this is ready. All you have to do is put the concrete down, put your building up, and go to work. They don't have to dig sewers. They don't have to put water in. They don't have to run electricity. They don't want to put solar panels on top the right way. But my point is the bare land is extremely difficult, shown by 20 years of trying. And the other way around, with improvement that does not cost the taxpayers additional taxes, might be something that we could look at. Okay. Um. Well, after having a conversation on the phone with another uh, citizen in Milford, we were talking about the library. And actually, if the library doesn't pass, I might try to put some effort in to try to make it happen in another way. If we could try to work with local businesses and try to get some donations and get that done cheaper and, and more reasonable, you know, for the, for the taxpayers and for the library and for the kids of the community. Uh, so I think I might take on that if I was to get on the board, maybe try to like, I don't know, I don't know if that's even possible for a board member, but maybe try to work with some different businesses. Um, I have a couple in mind and the person I was talking on the phone actually, uh, you know, had a few other businesses in mind that I wasn't even thinking of. So I thought that would be good. And then also the roads, like for me, roads, our roads need help. I don't know what we can do about that, but I will be promising you that I'll be making visits to the DVW if I even if that if I can even do that I don't know if I do that but I'm telling you right now <laughs> potholes in this in this town I've got to end so <laughs> being responsible if you're getting paid to do a job you're going to do the job I would hope and if you're not going to do the job we're going to make sure everybody knows you're not doing it this that, time of year thing. this time of year in New England potholes are rather endemic yes Yet they're going to pop up because of the frost heaves Typically, DPW gets to work when the uh, uh, blacktop plant 
opens when when it becomes available. And they go out and they pack the holes full, tamp it down, and that's when the repaving is done mostly. So yes, there's a time for doing that. In the winter, they put coal pack in. Uh, the Which ice plows hit it and it pulls it right back up. It, it's a no-win situation. So that is true. The roads are bad this time of year. But at the end of summer, they're looking pretty good. Would you be in favor of deputizing Wade Campbell as the moderator and the administrator of the Milford Residence Facebook page, which constantly gets he, postings he <laughs> of, <laughs> of what the roads look like? Right. Um, maybe he would volunteer his services to have a direct line to letting us know which roads are in horrible need he of repair. He does it for free now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say that, you know, people, you know, I'm one to complain about the roads, and then people are like, oh, you know, you can call the DPW, but it's just it's just too easy, Wade, with you to be able to put it on the on the, uh, the page. But I'll, I agree with you. They fix the roads, but sometimes it takes too long. Honestly, sometimes they're halfway through summer before some of these holes are being fixed. Okay, so I don't know, and I, again, I don't know. But I, that would be one thing. And do you know if that's because they have a list of other projects that they're doing that they have to get to first? That could be, too. Again, I I don't know. But that would be one thing I'd try to work on. Okay. Um, All right, so now I need to get a little sentimental with you. Many of you have lived in town almost forever. Um, So looking back over the course of this town, what is... What is something that you would point to that you, you would say that you're most proud of being a resident of this town, um, in our town? One word, spirit. The civic spirit. You've got the pumpkin festival. You've got the parades. You've got the involvement. You've got a, a vibrant select board, a board of selectmen. You've got library boards. You've got... You know, you've got people dying to, to get a job on the cemetery commission. You've, you've got opportunity for anything you want to do here in town. Get some people together. Get some sympathy. Pull a, a, a commission together that you, if you have something that you're, you're truly involved in, and do it. Nobody's going to stop you, especially if it's not costing a lot. Wade is bringing the cost of the pumpkin festival down. Mm-hmm. Okay. For me, I'm, I'm most proud of uh, Milford's rich history. Um, my great-grandfather came here from Italy, and he was a stonecutter at one of the quarries in town. And um, I just love uh, going to the historical society and seeing just like the old pictures of people coming here and building this town. And and that's what I'm proud of, you know, um, just seeing it over the generations and having my son here now. And and a, he has a love for we walk, you know, the swinging bridge and, and the oval and and just seeing my son enjoy the town just as much as I did when I was little. So, yeah, our rich history most proud of yeah I'd like to say that since I've been here um, obviously not as long as some people but I've seen the downtown I'll just stick stick to that but it's grown in my opinion over the course of, the, of time but now Milford is 
almost re regionally recognized. And, and it's just earmarked by, you know, politicians who want to come through here all the time. And, it, you know, it, it's now kind of trailblazed for, for that, but also it's recognized everywhere. I, I can't tell you at one point where I used to say I'm from Milford, where's that? And now I, I, I just was talking to a, a colleague at work. I, he's, he's, oh, I love the Oval. You know? <laughs> so they, everybody knows what it is now. And I can't see that that wouldn't want to, you know, bring in new business and, uh, and help the town even more solid, be more solid. And I would echo what everybody else has said. I mean, Milford is a vibrant community. We have a lot of services. Um, the, the Blue Bus, you know, there's, there's, there's band concerts on the Oval, the Pumpkin Festival, all the parades. Um, you know, the political candidates come in to, to march in the parades. Um, it's just, it's a very vibrant community. We, we do have a challenge, though, one in particular. As you know, when our children graduate high school, the opportunity for a house, for, what, an apartment, a little apartment, uh, we need affordable housing. Uh, something like the teeny house, uh, something that will allow our children to graduate here, get a decent job here, progress up, and stay here. We invest, as you've said, as you've said, a lot of money in our children, most of the town budget, and then to see them fitter away in the breeze, it, it hurt to see my own daughters products of Milford schools go elsewhere bothered me would you um, and this is an open question to anyone obviously the cost of housing mr. Friel had mentioned there's a in your eyes would you believe that there's a disproportionate amount of residential versus rentals and such and how would you maybe try to reconcile that as a board to try to offer affordable housing or is that a thing of the past is there no way in your view that Milford can do this look I don't again I'm in construction but I'm not in the planning or zoning committee and this is gonna probably fall down on you since you're on the zoning board but I think as a board member and I think does the board of selectmen even this is gonna come down to zoning is it not planning board and then after the planning board and after the professionals in the, the building uh, safety and everything, then it comes to the zoning board to help consider relief from uh, something like that. So, yeah. no, not in the beginning. Yeah. So, only later. Yeah. And I, I just feel like, you know, y you get big chunks of land and people are like, well, you know, it doesn't really, f it doesn't really fit with a, with a residential neighborhood. But boy, I could put a 30 unit apartment building right up there and I can make my money that way. You can you can try to maybe do some over 50 communities where there's less kids so you can try to like cut back on the kids costs going into the schools You can try to get more of those communities But again, you need land for that and good chunks of it So when you're getting I mean you have to really get out there where the land is to, to really have that happen uh, I, I don't know how you could try to Say okay, no more apartment buildings, you know, I mean the it, it comes down to the land and you have to have you know, neighborhoods can, you know, you're not going to run them up a mountain or something like that. They're not, they're not going to do that. So I don't know. There is a lot of land still left in the town to do that. But I, I don't know as a board of selectmen if we could, like, cut back on that 
you know, people buy the land and they have the right to do whatever they want with the land. Within reason. Within reason. But if I bought that land and I'm within the zoning commissions and, you know, and I want to put a 50-unit apartment building, I can't say, well, hey, no, you're not allowed to do that. I'm sorry. You're going to have to build a 10-lot subdivision. So uh, that would be a tough one. I don't know if that's possible, but it would be good to try to, you know, like I say, try to get more businesses in town. I mean, I think we already have a good amount of businesses, uh, you know, but I just think that we do have a disproportionate amount of rentals versus I mean, I don't even know the amount of rentals. Again, I just feel like there are a lot of rentals in Milford. There have been any built of late, yes. Yeah. So, I don't know. Mr. Thornton. Uh, I'm going to say that we have a, a, a wonderful situation right now with employers like Hitchener up the street. Has anyone noticed the signs? up to $36 an hour for yeah. appropriately skilled people. Yeah. Uh, you can start with a high school diploma at almost $15 an hour, right? I mean, that's a nationally sought after wage. Mm -hmm. We've got it right here. We've got the need. What's holding us back? We don't have the skilled people coming out of the high school and staying here because where are they going to live? Where are they gonna start uh, developing a household. Uh, where are they going to start getting some equity on something they own instead of a rental, which they throw that money away every month? There, there are a lot of ways to dream. You can't build more businesses in town. That's my dream. Bring more businesses in, reduce our taxes, let the businesses help us carry the load, let the businesses attract our progeny, our high school graduates, give them good jobs and keep them in town and let Milford grow. Okay. Okay. Did Mike, uh, Jeff, sorry. Oh, no, I'm okay. Um, well, I'm looking at our time and we're starting to wind down. Is there a topic that hasn't been addressed tonight that you would like to champion to say this is something to consider? Um, because this is a passion of mine as a member going forward if I'm selected to the Board of Selectmen. Is there a topic that you would like to address that hasn't been brought up yet? I already had my say. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, at this point, then, it would be appropriate. We'll do our, we'll do our, our closing. Um, and I think I will start with Jeff, if you'd like to uh, address the audience and or the television crowd uh, I'd just like to thank everybody for coming out and listening tonight uh, um, I'm hoping that you uh, take me into consideration for uh, for March I think I could bring a lot to the table as far as uh, kind of a technical backbone to come join the board uh, to balance things out okay. Mr. Thornton I think I'm technically skilled and a man of my word I gave my wife a, a pledge 37 years ago, uh, and I'm still there. I'm still doing what I said I was going to do. I'm still investing in our relationship. When I look at the flavor of this town, what has attracted me to this opportunity is the people who have been doing this before, the people who have done it and then backed away because of it's time for somebody else to have a chance. 
remarkable people. People like Bob Courage, people like Flesher Seagroves, who, who invested so much of themselves into the town. It's our time. We need to do that. And you don't have to be on the select board to do it. You can all do it just based on, I want to do it. Thank you. Ms. Duziak. I'd like to thank you all for being here, both here and, and viewing at home. Um, I feel that the board over the, my first term has accomplished quite a bit, and I would appreciate your support as I um, look forward to a second term. Thank you. Mr. Farrell. Uh, thank you for everybody for coming out tonight and people at home watching. Uh, again, uh, I'm a dedicated person. I follow through with everything I say. I, I really just put it all out there. I don't hold back. If you want somebody that's just going to say what's on his mind and listen to what you have to say, um, please feel free to uh, vote for me. Thank you. Ms. Sheehan? Yeah. Um, um, I just want to thank you all for being here tonight. And... Um, just thank you all for your love for this town. You know, you wouldn't be here if you didn't have a heart for Milford. And, um, you know, as your selectman, if uh, you vote for me, I'd work to ensure fiscally responsible town spending and um, work with different departments, keeping open lines of communication, working together, um, work with small businesses coming alongside of them, and, you know, working to keep uh, Milford's unique charm and, and rich history. Fantastic. And before we close, I want some housekeeping, if I may. Um, please remember that ten, uh, in addition to tonight, it will be, this will be rebroadcast on Granitetown Media, and an audio version of tonight's forum will be made available sometime over the next few days on Granitetown Media's podcast, Inside Milford. Um, next week, there will be a candidate's forum for a school board on Friday um, at 6 p.m. On, uh, on the 28th. But more importantly, on March 10th, uh, of, uh, in a couple weeks, three weeks from today, uh, at the Milford Middle School, we will have voting for both the town and the school issues. Uh, we're fortunate enough to live in a town where we actually have the longest voting hours from 6 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock at night. Um, I'm sure many of you will probably be bearing the brunt of the hopefully somewhat of a seasonal warm, let's hope, <laughs> um, where, uh, you know, from 6 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock at night. So please, on March 10th, please mark your calendar. Obviously, the concept of getting out and voting and coming, casting your ballot uh, goes a long way. I, I know Joan Dargy is in the audience tonight, and in talking with her last week, we had about 400 new people register, bringing us over 12,000 people in our town that are voting members. We also have same-day registration where you can show up with an ID and hopefully an item of mail that has your address. If you don't, that's okay. You just swear an affidavit that you live in town, but the ID is the, the important thing. We encourage you to come out. We encourage you between now and then, please reach out to any of the candidates, um, both on the school board level and on the selectman level, if you have any questions or concerns that you want to have addressed. Um, and they're obviously very accessible and very approachable, so please do that. But we want to thank tonight. This was a wonderful conversation of learning about the people who are looking to try to shepherd our town. So I want to thank you all for being part of it, and I wish you all the best of luck on March 10th, and I look forward to seeing you there. Thank you very much. Thank, thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.